let's get more into the word. I'll give you reasons, and the reasons are not tiring for me. <coughs> reasons as to why we speak the word often, why we're constantly in the word. Um, like I said, it's not tiring for me because I know it will yield its fruit in its time. A farmer must be confident of sowing, knowing that in its own time, it will reap its results. So good evening to everyone that's tuned in tonight. I hope not to take too long with you tonight. Also, I want to speak to you about slaves of righteousness. Um, my main text today is going to be from Romans chapter 6, but we're not going to go there just yet. But I want to speak about slaves of righteousness. Again, why? We're entering a new dimension and age. You see, the problem about the sound of or, or the words of a preacher is that it, it is easily despised until the move happens. The problem is if you had not already started making a move by the time the move of God comes, you're already too late. Did you hear what I've said? We, we understand by faith that the worlds were framed. That's what scripture says. Scripture also says things like, for my righteous ones will live by faith, not by sight. So when I start to speak to you about slaves of righteousness, I want you to understand that what I'm coming to speak to you about, which is not Pastor Obi's words, but it's the words of the Spirit, is to notify to you the hope I have is that it's to activate you. But should you not be activated, it's to notify to you that there's still a remnant of people that belongs to God. You see that remnant? They are not necessarily the people that go to church. They are the believers. They are they that are, they do not conform to anything other than God's will and purpose. The remnant are people who do not bow even when it looks like in the day of persecution, God did not come for them. These are people that do not compromise are you listening to what I'm saying to you? These are people that are so convicted by what God is saying in their life, what they hear Pastor Toby say. They are so convicted that their life now tells a story. So where I'm ending today is to speak out of Romans chapter 6, where Paul began to say or speak about the slaves to righteousness. But I want to start off today because there was a question that was asked to me. I had a meeting with a few people. I had a day of meeting people. And one of the questions that was asked to me was a very, I commended the person for asking because I feel if we're to be honest with ourselves tonight, these are questions that we secretly ask ourselves. And I don't want you to leave tonight without an answer so that you do not hope that you are doing what is right and not do it. I also want you to know that the word is not given to the old. The word, the word is given to those who believe. The word is given to the one who yields. The word is given to the one who believes. So you can be as young as 18, 17, or you can be 28. It means nothing. When it comes to the word, God creates a level playing field. That whosoever will believe can be lifted. David was not um, um, celebrated by his brothers as we know the story. 
But when the word came to visit, it equalized everything. And God at that moment was going to show who he has chosen. The COD family has a peculiar call over, the, over our lives. I want you to hear what I've said to you. What God is calling us to do is much bigger than what your mind can fathom or comprehend as of now. But the way to where God is calling us into is to take attention or pay attention to everything in front of us. So the question is what I'm going to start off. The answer that I gave to that person today, I want to start off today with. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Are you ready for the word COD, yeah? Um, again, you come into God's presence not because you are forced. So let me say something to you. If you have not made up your mind that what you're about to hear, that you are creating for yourself a resolution that I'm going to obey or practice all that I hear, you are wasting your time. God does not speak empty. It is also possible for God to speak in the midst of where you are, but not be speaking to you. Now, you see these things I'm saying to you uh, again. I hope that you will look past Pastor Obi and hear the word. I do hope you do that because God's not going to look at the person's face, meaning the way you appear in order to pick you. It's going to be the readiness of your heart. So what I check with myself and I was giving some people insight to how I do with myself, I constantly check the motives of my heart. Why do I call a session? Why would I post this? Why would I drive this? Why would I wear this? I have to be that observant of my life. If not, it's possible that I can be in the midst of where God is speaking, but nothing's going to happen. In case you want scriptural reference for that, there was a time that God interrupted Paul's journey to persecute the church on the road of Damascus, right? And the Bible says that they all heard thundering. Even in the days of Christ, Christ, there was a time when Christ was speaking and Christ said, glorify yourself again. And then there was a thundering noise. And in that noise, Christ heard and the disciples heard, I have glorified myself and I will glorify myself again. For others, they were just afraid because they heard the noise. The day that God interrupted the journey like I hope he would do with us today. Because let me say this to you as I interrupt myself to go back to what I'm about to say. Let me say this to you in case you've never known. That anything you do, in co you do contrary to God's will is actually persecuting him. Do you remember when PT would give us examples like children who out of zeal wants to help clean but they make more mess? Yeah, that's what a person who has not decided, first of all, has not yet known what the will of God is. Two, has not understand, understood the message. When that kind of person tries to take responsibility in the things of God, they're doing more harm than they're doing good. So today, when I start to speak to you about slaves of righteousness, I really keep, I'm repeating this to, to you today so that your heart can be ready for the simplicity of the word. But going back to Paul, we look at the life of Paul and Paul was interrupted. So that's my prayer. God, anytime you are ready, interrupt me. Anytime you are ready, maybe it's tonight, interrupt the COD family because you're on the way to persecuting Christ. 
Again, Paul did not think he was doing God a disservice. He believed that he was doing God a service. It's just that he had not known the will of God. He had not known what Christ was, who Christ is. He did not know the Son of God. He knew the Torah. He knew the manual. He knew what scripture said. He knew what parents said to us about church, but they did not know the will of God. They did not have insight into the wisdom of God. So any one of us that is on our way to persecuting Christ, God will interrupt us today. So with that, the Bible says that Paul was speak, God interrupted Paul along his way, spoke to him. In that interruption, called him. When he called him, the Bible says that those around him did not even hear what was going on. They were just afraid. They were, at that moment, out of people, out of court people. At that moment, Paul was being called up to the mountain. A place of higher conversation. So I want to answer again publicly the question that may be in our hearts after hearing many words. Sometimes, and I'll be honest with myself, sometimes you will hear the word and you'll think before you can attack Sunday's word, Thursday's word comes and bamboozles you. You have not had enough time to respond adequately to what you heard on Sunday. Especially as we prepare for a word week, a word conference, there'll be a word day after day. There'll be word charges, I suppose. And what will happen is that you will hear many things that will excite you. You will hear many things that will also convict you. But the time to actualize what you hear is the issue. Because before you wake up, you're back to work in life. You're back to your problems. You're back to your fears. You're back to the things that you feel that you can or cannot do. And these things come to choke up the word. You remember what I spoke to you on Monday. These things come to choke up the word and deny the growth of the message. And in case you do not understand how important and how actually detrimental that is, I want you to remember that God has no concern in prospering IB. What God wants to prosper is the message growing in Ibis. So prosperity in the life of Ibis is meant to be subsequent to the growth of the message in you. So one day God looks at the prophet Ezekiel. Someone asked me the question, Pastor Obi, as you have spoken and given us instruction, I've taken down notes of about 20 things. This is what someone said to me today. I've taken note, I've noted down about 20 things that I know requires my effort to focus and to do. And the question was, where do I start? Have you ever taken notes in the word and felt that you've come up with so much notes, but you don't even know, okay, how to practicalize it, right? Talk to me. You've heard, okay, okay, those that are students and disciples who have made up their mind that they want to actually do. Have you ever been hearing PT, hearing myself or any of the leaders and you think like there's so many things here to do, but I don't even know where to start. So let's look at the story and the account of Ezekiel because the reference of him, Ezekiel chapter 1, the reference here was not talking to just Ezekiel. The Bible would let us know in a moment, you would see the reference of the Son of Man. The moment he says the Son of Man, he's speaking about everyone in the Adamic state, which is all and every one of us. 
But so that I don't go ahead of myself, let's start in my 13th year. So Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1, go on. In my 30th, in my 30th year, in the fourth month on the fifth 30th day. 30th year, sorry, go on. In the fourth month on the fifth day, yeah. while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth, on the fifth of the month, Read verse 1 again. Sorry, I was trying to catch up in my own Bible. Go on. In my 30th year, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. One day, God interrupted the life of Ezekiel. Let me tell you this. The way your life is going, I'm going somewhere today, but take note of what I'm about to say. It doesn't matter how morally good you think you are or how morally good or bad anyone thinks you are. Where you are going as Beryl by yourself is to a place to being completely oblivious to God and what God wants to do. Where you are hidden by yourself is to a life separated that has fallen short from God's glory. So when I make comments and say that God interrupts our lives, unless God interrupts your life, you are coming to nothing. Abraham had a form of wealth or Abram had a form of wealth even in his father's home. You would see it in the account of when God called him from his father's household. He would have believed he was somebody because he had cattle, he had servants, he had to a certain degree finances. But unless God interrupted his life, the way he was going, the trajectory of his life, he would have lived a life without God and he would have known that the end of it all was death. So Bible lets us know that to the father of faith and therefore it must mirror in all the children of faith. God must interrupt your life in order to bring you into his will. I take into thought today the, the apostles Peter and Cole, who were at the sea, fishing, trying to create a livelihood for themselves, trying to bring food on the table for theirs and for them and theirs. But what happened is that Christ had to come there and interrupt you. So sometimes God's going to interrupt you in your field. God's going to interrupt you on your way to somewhere. You would have thought that you was gaining ground. So there's some people that thought that before they came to Christ, they had more. But what I want you to understand is that that way that you were on was going to pull you away from God. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Okay. They was, it was going to pull you further and further away from God and your life would have ended up miserable and empty. So the Bible lets us know that when God wanted to inaugurate Ezekiel as his prophet of that age and time, God had to interrupt him. God met him on the 30th year. At the fourth month, on the fifth day, God interrupted him. Meaning God did not tell him, I'm coming. God just showed up. You know, Pastor Toby told us something the other day, and I'll paraphrase it. That you see the way God operates when he was talking about the red man, Esau. What God tends to do is that he will almost pardon your sins because he knows who you are by nature already. But he interrupts you. So the man that God remains with is the man that from their heart is a very repentant man. But so that I don't go ahead of myself and we don't miss the journey tonight. The Bible then says to us that God interrupted Ezekiel. Now jump to verse 28. 
Verse 28, what does it say at verse 28? Go on. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. Okay, let's start from verse 26. Let's just see um, the revelation of God. Go on. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. Yeah. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. Yeah. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. Stop there. So what was God going to do when God interrupts a Parisa's life, when God interrupts Ade's life? The first thing he wants you to see, listen to me, because whatever you see in life is going to dictate the rest of your life. Whatever you see, you know, there are some things that as Esau, when you began to roam in the open field, you saw some things that you cannot unsee. So when God interrupted the life of Ezekiel, what he was going to do first was before you see finances, before you see the increase of family, what I need you to see is my form. I need you to see the way I am. I need you to behold me. So you see, I feel sorry and many of us has fallen into that trap, but, but God calls us back so that we can really make ground but or gain ground. Well, I feel sorry for people who try to live life before seeing his form. I feel sorry for people who try to make something, try to make ends meet, but they have not come in contact with these words. They have not seen the nature, the face of Christ because that life is only going to end up dead. The wages of sin. You remember that sin is not just an act. It's the man you've become. It's the way you think, the way you process things, the words you say, the words you don't say. Everything about you becomes the man of sin. And so it was that God interrupted his life so he can see his form. So I praise God for the age of 17 when I was at 17 and life didn't make sense as to why suddenly I was in one life and drastically I was caught and taken to another life because what God wanted to preserve was my future. But not just my future, but the lives that were connected to me. So in case you're ever mourning or you're moaning or you're complaining behind closed doors about what's going on with my life, praise him. Because before you are sent out there, he needs you to behold his form. So Ezekiel saw his form. And what does the Bible say? Go on, verse 28. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. Do you understand that? You see, in a cloudy day, in a gray day, the rainbow stands out. It, stand, it stands out from its background. It stands out from everything else. So there's something peculiar about God that God needs you to see. Because once you see him, you cannot unsee him. Once he enters you, you cannot deny him. But look at what the Bible then says. This was the appearance, what? Of the likeness of the glory This of was the, the appearance of the likeness. I emphasized this when I was speaking about witnesses. This was the appearance of the likeness. This was not the appearance of the glory of the Lord because Christ had not yet been revealed. But for you to manage right now, I'll give you a likeness. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, what happened? I fell face down. He fell face down. At that point, the grown man called Ezekiel realized that he was nothing in comparison to what he was beholding. Whatever 
Peter would have become as a fisherman, the moment he saw Christ, he had to fall on his knees because he realized that whatever success or no success he, met, he made at that time when he met Christ, it meant nothing. He fell face down. And I heard the voice of one speaking, chapter 2, verse 1. What does it say? He said to me, son of man. Who said to me? Who was it that was speaking? The Lord. The Lord said to you, Remy. The Lord said to you, Callum. The Lord said to you, Grace. What? Son of man. He refers to you first as Adam. He refers to you first as a human being. Please hear me because I'm answering a question that you probably have not asked openly. Son of man, stand up on your feet. He didn't say the spiritual version of Elohim. Rise up on your feet. He said son of man, meaning weakened man, meaning fallen man, meaning down and out man, man that's fallen out of glory. Stand up on your feet. It is impossible for the weak man to stand before God. Are you listening to me? It is impossible for the man that is weak, the man that has fallen to stand before God. But God looked at the weak man. He looked at Jacob. He looked at Abraham and demanded a level of conversation. I don't think you understand where I'm going. He said to me, son of man, Adam, Abraham, the weakened man, stand up on your feet. You know, I've taught you this before. Christ went by two references, two titles. Sometimes when men wanted to address Christ, Christ will be addressed as the son of God. But also he'll be addressed sometimes as the son of man, recognizing the weaknesses of man. So now God places a demand because if God is going to send you out into the music world as his prophet, he's going to have to demand a level of standing with him in order for him to start having a conversation with you so that you can have a conversation with the world. In case you think that this is already very much demanding, I want you to know this for sure. It is demanding. The relationship, the partner you have, you have certain demands, whether you speak it audibly, outly, outside or in your heart, there are certain things that you have as a demand from them if that's going to work. So God looks at the weakened version of Chrissy and says, stand up. And we'll be thinking, in case you don't understand that, I'll explain it in a moment. You'll be hearing, be holy. And then the wicked man, the weakened man struggles to be holy because anytime you move closer to flesh, anything you, anytime you move closer to what empowers or awakens flesh in you, you realize that as much as you've heard the word of God, you realize that you're still flesh. You realize there are still difficulties. You could have finished prayer, but there's still lust that is appealing to you. But God places a demand not on your spirit, but on your body. He says, stand up on your feet, weakened vessel. Stand up on your feet and what will happen? And I will speak to you. If you manage to stand up, then I will speak to you at a new height and dimension of conversation. You know, in this life, what separates the person growing up in Peckham and the person that grows up in Chelsea? The level of conversation they're having. Most of the conversations we grew up were parents that were fighting. Parents who were saying we don't have or we don't have enough. 
Parents that were saying that you cannot even dare to express what you will be because they fear that you will make the same stumbles. You will stumble like they did. You will make the same mistakes like they did. So what separates, what's going to bring COD to the place where we start making millions a month? The change of conversation. You know, there's a level of conversation you have as an employee. There's a level of conversation you have as a CEO. What you should be pressing in is not for money. It's a change of conversation. Because what separates you or, you know, if I say this month we need to raise 100K, it's not that the world doesn't have 100K. It's just that you have not been included in certain conversations that will warrant you for 100K. So what does God press, what does God lay on our hearts that we should press into? A level of conversation. In case you're tired and you're thinking we're doing word after word after word, it's fine. But for some others, there's a conversation still happening in our hearts. God is writing in our hearts and minds so that we can qualify for a new level of conversation. So I was upstairs and I was thinking about the Esau or the person that's always thinking I need to do something. Because I'm going to show you something here. I, I've told you that I'm not sentimentally attached to anybody. I've, I have warned you, right? Okay. Let me leave that. So the Bible now says that what God wants us to do is to meet his demand for a new level of conversation. Because at that level of conversation, God will be able to entrust to us new things, higher things. I said to myself upstairs before coming downstairs that I, I, I was reminded of a vision I've had long ago and I've shared with some people. And I realized the temptation that you have when you see someone running ahead of you is to run. Yeah? Forget even in the funny black way. You know, black people, they see someone running. They don't want to know why they're running. They'll just start running because they're shook. They just, you know, the Bible says one funny um, there's one funny quote in the Bible. I don't even know if it's in the Bible, but the Bible says, I believe it is. The Bible says that the wicked run when no one's pursuing them. You see that scripture? It reminds me of Nollywood all the time. But on a serious note, you see, the temptation when you see people running, the, the, the temptation that a regime will have is if he looks to a brother and it looks like this brother is bringing in and he's doing nothing. But you see, everyone has their time. And I pray that anyone that it may be their time today, it will still be their time tomorrow. That's your fight. But what I want to, the main point I want to make with that is this. That sometimes God allows Esau to go ahead of you because your only means of transportation should be the word. You see, now that we're sitting here, it's Tuesday evening, interruption once again. Disruption once again. You'll be thinking that there are people making grounds. In fact, when you leave here, you'll probably come across a picture where it looks like someone that you've formerly known is making, they're gaining grounds in this life. It's a deception to make you run out of the house. If you heed the word, if you take heed to the word, what happens is that the word carries you and moves you faster than those that are running. What was the story of, why would we see a story of Elijah pulling up his garment and outrunning a chariot? Do you think that's a cartoon? It's a proverbial statement that the man that remains on their knees, a man that honors God, that remains in that position, 
when commanded by God to run, they will outrun those that has been running all this while. But let me not go too many places tonight. So the Bible says, stand up on your feet, weakened vessel, and I will speak to you. So the question is, me in my fallen state, how can I respond to God's word? We have heard words that God will not displace the Philistines with more Philistines. So I have a heart that is passionate towards holiness. I have a heart that's passionate towards the obedience to God's word. But it's like my flesh keeps betraying me. It's like my mind keeps betraying me. Yet God has placed a demand on you. Because here's the beauty of that issue. Verse 2. As he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. Stop there. Have you paused and thought about that scripture before? The conversation in verse 1 and 2 are two different perspectives. Verse 1, God says to Paris, stand up and I will speak to you. Implying or implying, let me just keep it as that, implying that it's going to be in her power to stand up. But then verse 2 comes and tells us the perspective of the prophet. And he says, as he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. So let me make that simple for you tonight as we get into the word. Every word you hear is giving you power to do it. God already knows that Tomwa cannot be holy by her own accord. Or that Apostle Obi can be holy by his own accord. But what does God want you to remain in? Where God is speaking. You know, check it. And this is not me insulting anyone. But if you take it as an insult, that's your own. Check the lives of everybody that's always missing from when God is speaking. Let's see where it goes. Is that Pastor Obi's opinion? Is Pastor Obi angry? No. But God's principles has been existing since before you existed. You will not be the one to change that. The Bible says, as he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me on my feet. So I said to the person that asked me the question, how do I do? And I said, the issue is not you doing. Because the Bible says that it is God who works in us both to will and to do. He is the author and the finisher of every action. When we hear the, the, the conversation of taking nations, he started it in your life. You check it. Ten years ago, you were not talking about taking nations. He started it. Now you assume you'll finish it and that's what causes conflict in your own heart. That's what makes you feel that you are not becoming anything and that's what makes you discontented with the word. But it is God that starts it and begins it. So what is God looking for in us? Yield. Be present. Yield to what he's saying. And what happens is that that word that you're constantly hearing will eventually cause you to act out things without you thinking. So there are times that I say to myself, the shoes of Pastor Toby are great shoes to fill. And sometimes when I return to my carnal physical self, I'm saying, how do I even 
How am I like Pastor Toby? Then someone will say, but in this, when they are when they are observing me, they say, you remind me of Pastor Toby. Then I realized it's not me. It's I've allowed, I've lent my body to the desires of a father. So the life that flows through him will flow through me. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? So COD, listen to what I'm saying. Your first labor and your first work is remaining in the word. Because everything will call you to run out of it. You'll be hearing the word. We will be speaking. It's an hour. It's two hours. It's three hours. And Pastor Obi won't stop talking. Listen to me. There's a spirit of that word that is trying to gain means in your life. That should you hear it long enough, you will begin to act out the spirit without knowing you're acting it out. Look at this. In the occult world, they have to keep repeating words to you in order for you to live out that curse. You see, when you grew up in certain households where they tell you you can't, you do not have enough, you won't be this, you can still pursue a life trying to be, trying to have, trying to have more than enough. But you will realize that the words that has subconsciously entered you will begin to make you act out poverty without you trying. So I get it. When PT keeps looking at me, check all the COD words. He will keep saying things like, all I had was a cassette and I'll be listening to it, listening to it. Do you know what he was allowing? As he spoke, the spirit entered me and raised me to my feet. What I couldn't do as a fallen man, the spirit of the word, the power of the word raised me to do it. And at that point, my conversation level changed. And with new conversations come new resources, new responsibilities. Are you ready for the word? So I want to speak to you again, as I said, about slaves to righteousness, slaves for righteousness, whatever you want to call it. You're going to be a slave of something any which way. And you know, what I want you to think about as we think before I take you into scripture, you will see men that have arose throughout history forget the religion forget what they were believing but either way we've seen men rise to an occasion you know I was thinking about people like Martin Luther King Malcolm X the names that we cannot get out of our mouths because there was something about them that was divine these men face death and you'll be asking yourself, are you not human like they are? But I look at these people and the more I observe their lives, I believe there was something divine, sorry, working through them. At times, did the flesh not try to overtake them? Did they not fear? Yes. But what God was showing through his sons, because P.T. said that these men are sons, what God was showing us through his sons is what will happen or the kind of achievements that one who allows divinity to enter them and take control, what they can eventually achieve. My question today and my meditation today, and this is the reason why I haven't engaged with people that much today, was I was thinking about the foundation to the church. The Bible says things like, if the foundation be destroyed, what could even the righteous do? 
therefore bringing attention and value to foundations. How things start, how things began are very, very important to God. So I'm looking at scripture now and I'm thinking about people like Ezekiel, people like Moses, people like the prophets of old. And you will sometimes read these people and be honest with yourself. You will actually feel like to an extent they had some supernatural um, um, characters around them. They were like superheroes. You hear of the Moses who um, who divided the great seas. You hear of the Joshua who held the sun in place. In fact, some of these stories are so abnormal that there's a part of you that whispers in your ear that it's not true. You're laughing because you know it's true in your heart. Sometimes you're thinking, it's not true. Like, I hear the story, I believe in God, but where in this world? I remember the day that I almost sowed the seed of doubt into myself. I'm thinking if I should say it, because I don't want to sow the seed of doubt into you. So I'll leave that, don't worry. But your logic tries to see things, try to um, explain things for yourself. So I was looking at the foundation of the church, the book of Acts. We know the story that there was a festival that people all under the nations of the world were gathered to Jerusalem to celebrate. What was interesting is that God in his own timing somehow makes the day of Pentecost so timely with everybody being able, because God wanted to, God always predestined that on the day of Pentecost, there will be at least 3,000 people saved by the message of Peter. So God in his own wisdom orchestrates things. Follow me today. He orchestrates things in his own way. And what we find is, I find it quite remarkable that Peter all of a sudden is able to preach a message. All of a sudden, there's a download of understanding of the message. And the moment you realize it was not when Peter aged. It was not when Peter now had a business to make him look more credible. It was only when Peter now understood the message did everything change. Do you know, do you want to take note of some of the things that changed with him? The moment he understood the message, more people were added to him. More people recognized him. So he became more of a reputable, respected person in society and in the community. He started to do what normal people couldn't do, which normal people would then call miracles. Not only that, his financial state changed dramatically because later we'd see that everyone who had sold what they had and bought it to the feet of the apostles all of these things change not subject to the age of peter not subject to the contact he had now made but it was subject to the message he now embraced and understood are you following me so when we're looking in life and we're looking at certain people you see people who did extraordinary things in fact we're gonna go to Exodus actually chapter 2 the day that the seed of the message was sown in your heart is a day you must cherish with everything the day that you finally heard the word and I'm not saying that you've understood the complete or the entirety of the word 
But the day that the word of God was sown into your heart, I said to someone, I reminded some people that I met with this morning or today, and I told them that back in Revival Church, I used to say to you that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, according to the Torah, they were expecting that their Messiah would be some kind of um, um, warrior. They, according to the Torah, knew that the Messiah was going to overthrow a kingdom and bring about the kingdom of God. Do you know what was more interesting about that? If you have forgotten, I'm here to remind you, that I said to you that they were always therefore speaking of revival because the coming of Christ would then be revival, right? The coming of the Messiah would then be the revival of the children of Israel, their deliverance from the rule of the Roman Empire. But what God wanted to do was much bigger than what their hearts were set on at that time. passing message I want to give you is that I don't know what it is you have in mind. God wants to do much more than what you have in mind. So rather than defining God for yourself, yield to him. Yeah? Because we're going to see in a moment, the deliverer of two brothers didn't know that he was meant to be a deliverer of three million. So do you know what was interesting? God wanted to do a work called certain men and like I was saying in the revival church I said that they were expecting a grown man a messiah probably a man filled with armor and all kinds of weaponry but when revival came do you remember what I used to call revival a baby I said to you in in revival church that revival comes as a baby because you're meant to nurture it do you know what revival is for you, Alakon? The day you hear God's word. Do you know what will keep you on fire and growing? The ability to nurture that word until it fully grows and matures. That's revival. Do you think it's coincidence that God had to show us the revival of deliverance for the children of Israel started as a baby? When it came to Elijah, Elijah came as a grown man. But the start and revival of a nation, a nation that had become so Egyptian that you could not separate their Israelite nature from their Egyptian nature. But if there was going to be a revival of the impossible, it was going to be something that came as a baby and was nurtured. But moving on. So let's move to, let's read from verse two. I mean, from verse one. Just let's look at what the birth of Moses looked like. Go on. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Yeah. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when they could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and Mm -hmm. coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bath, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. Yeah. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Mm-hmm. Then his, sister, uh, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, 
Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Take note of that. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and became, he became her son. You see, destiny led you into the hands of certain people, certain places. And it was all going to be very, very needed for the divine core over your life. I'm going somewhere. But the process to activate in the call of God over your life is recognizing that you, you know, I keep saying it, please hear me. When I say that, when people say, this is just the way I am, I say to them, no, that's not just the way you are. You became something. Now, what's the duty of the word? It calls you back to your former identity. The word of God calls you back. Now, the world sometimes, like I'm going to show you maybe today, maybe. The world sometimes would have made you become a fisherman. But according to the eternal book of life, you were a fisher of man. You see, until you overcome that conflict within you, you cannot see the move of God operate in your life. So when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him what? Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I love that name, but let's leave that for today. Verse 11, go on. One day after Moses had grown up. Okay, so now we're seeing two different growths. Verse 10 said, when the child grew older, he became a certain thing. But one day when Moses had grown up again, so there's a level of maturity that awakens you to the things of God. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, yeah? And watched them at their hard labor. He had been watching them all his life. This was not the first day when he saw the hard labor of his brothers. But today something had happened because he had matured. There was a certain growth that happened to him. This is not age-wise. This is core-wise. He had aged. He had grown. And what happened? He saw something. Go on. He, he went out. Go on. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. You know, I love that scripture because the way I read scriptures now, I hear a lot. The Bible says he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. You know, what actually makes you stand for something is based on what you've seen let me explain so a Malcolm X or a Martin Luther King how does God pass a divine message to you sometimes sometimes from the circumstances that you grew up in a Martin Luther King will be exposed to slavery and discrimination that circumstance was God speaking to him to rise for the emancipation of his people for the deliverance of his people are you listening to me you see that mes message it's key that you get it so sometimes you will receive that divine message by the teaching of leaders sometimes it will be circumstances that God had to make you grow in until you see properly 
The Bible says one day when he matured, he saw the circumstances, the situations that he beheld activated the call of God in his life. And so he began to walk in the destiny of what he was always called to do. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew what? One of his own people. Oh, so now they are one of his own people. Again, did Moses not see this for 40 years of his life? Why did he respond now? Because the message had met him at a level of maturity. Stand up in your weakened state so I can speak to you. Rise up in your weakened state so I can speak to you. So the Bible would say things like, and it entered into his heart. The spirit of God now entered him and he was able to rise for what God had called him to do. So why am I speaking like this to you, COD? God keeps, now this is going to seem extra or away from everything I'm saying. God is attempting to raise an army in the COD camp. I said all of that to now lead to this because I'm going back to the foundation of something. God intends to raise an army. You see what we see about the army? Not many of us, I don't think any of us actually, has ever been able to participate in the ranks of armies before. I don't think we've undergone the training that they have, the discipline that they have. But do you know one thing that you usually observe with armies? Have you ever seen them in a parade or marching? Have you ever seen how in sync they move? I'll be looking at them and thinking, were you not called to fight? Why are you doing dancing for me? Were you not called to fight? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? How do I say this now? You didn't participate in the fighting of an army. But the first thing you observe is not their fight. You won't be there. Unless a war breaks in in your territory. The first thing you're going to see in the army ranks is their discipline and their synchronization. How in sync they are with one another. You can't tell an individual, you can only see a body. So I started to look at the army and I started to realize when God wants to, or forget God for now, or whatever that means, God, please hear me. Uh, <laughs> but when we look into nations, if you want to enforce your law, your rights, your way as a nation, you cannot do so without the army. The army will be both for the defense of the nation and the offense of the nation. The army is what God or what man uses to advance the power or to reinforce the power of a nation. So when one day Christ saw to, uh, the apostles asked Christ, how should we pray? And Christ said to his apostles, he said, listen, pray that let your will be done here on earth as it's done in heaven. What God wants to do when he wants to emphasize or when he wants to push out or he wants to take a territory. Like I've said to you that nations cannot do it with an army. God cannot do it without an army. So I always used to wonder that one of the first revelations we have of Christ or of God was that he was the Lord of the heavenly armies. The first thing you will know about his kingdom is that definitely there's an army. They don't describe to us how his mansion looks like. They tell us the reinforcers, the enforcement agents of his kingdom. 
You know, as I'm speaking to you, the government and the power of his kingdom is now here. His influence is here. Should you be receptive to it, you'll benefit of that kingdom. I'll tell you why I said that. So what happens is that now God looks at his people and he says, now, when I look into the COD family, I don't need a church with many individuals. I need people who are in sync. So when I said to you that if the righteous foundation be destroyed, what can they do? Then we go back to the foundation of the setup, the setup of the church. And then you realize something that Bible kept saying. They were of one heart and one mind in sync. These people did not move. So there wasn't a dummy and a remy. There was just the body of Christ. Their hearts were the same. Their minds were the same. The agenda for the COD family is this message. I am not trying to be successful, but success will be subsequent to war. Because what will happen is that now the resources and everything like the life of Abraham will be your plundering of a kingdom. How did the Egyptians build a temple? Not, not the Egyptians, the Israelites that came out of Egypt. How did they build a temple? Did they begin to print money? Did they begin to look and dig out for gold themselves? No. What happened is that they dethroned Egypt and plunder for them was the gold that they left Egypt with. So you see, there are some people that can't hear what I'm saying and their mind is running like Esau. They're going to find a way to make money. Do you know what will happen? They will make something, but it won't be what God has called them to make. Then there will be the person that seems like a fool staying at home hearing the word, allowing entry to the word. And then overnight, the kingdom that you bring down, you will, you will take more resources than those running, working for it. You will take more resources than them when you plunder them. So follow me again. The issue is when God, what is God's agenda here on earth? Let his kingdom come. When Pastor Toby calls us to speak the word, to give, to win souls, these are all offensive tactics to take in a kingdom. But you see, in an army rank, there cannot be people who are out for themselves because the strength of a Paris can save the life of Ibi on the field. But the weakness or the own anxieties as we read in the scripture on Monday can actually cost the life of both Paris and I be on the field. So when God wanted to set up his church, he knew that an army is in sync. There's not a Pastor Obi that breaks ranks. There's not an Anna that breaks ranks. They are commanders of an army or of a certain segment of the army. But one thing, the first thing that the world must be able to observe. So the first description of the church that we saw as outsiders to the church was that they were in sync of one heart and of one mind. So where am I going with all of this? God wants to take nations. But you see, God started to lay on my heart today that there's a level of finances that's already for you. You as the son of man or you as Adam, I've already put gold in water for you. I've already given you everything that you can eat. 
Yeah, they use synchronization as a representation of uniformity, process, planning, execution to remove individual individuality of the soldiers. I love what you said. Please send that to me after because that's going to be key. Because you see, now I realized, you know, how do I say this? You know, I told you the other day that Samson and Delilah's encounter was not them having conversation in a room. That's bullcrap. If your eyes are not open, heart is not open, you'll think that Samson was an idiot to sit in a room with a woman who said three times, tell me what your weakness is so the Philistines can come and bound you. No. Each question was them sleeping together. Their sleeping together was a question in the spirit to reveal and expose your weakness or the source of your strength rather. So you see, I realize that God didn't kill Ananias and Sapphira. They killed themselves because they showed individuals when they should have been uniformity. You know, there's a level of finance, and this is what I was saying. There's a level of finance that God wants to release. So I've said to some people, this is your target. You're busy thinking of 1Ks, 500 pounds, because you're still in the realm of an individual. But when you start to think that everything I'm doing is for the advancement of this message, guess what happens? God starts to put you together with certain people. And all of a sudden, a 1K target becomes a 10K target at least. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It becomes a target. Do you know why? Because the resources were always there. But the son of man must agree with Eve. Meaning you must be in uniformity with somebody else for you to really access the wealth that is prepared for you. So the, need, the fact that I now know that I need to connect and a connect needs a pulse, and a pulse needs a COD, and a COD needs a power base. What happens there is that God is bringing ever closer wealth, resources, the right people. But again, where am I going with all of this? God wants to take nations, but he's looking for synchronization. So what God wants to do today with the COD family, or from today, is to remove, like we saw in scripture, the forgive me for saying it in this English but their own anxieties that chokes the growth of the message because the army has one collective goal you see why the church turns out to be nobodies because there are many goals and visions you know the bible said to us and as I get closer to our main scripture today the bible actually says that the son can do nothing Unless he sees what the father does. Please go to that scripture. John chapter 5 verse 19. Individuality. Um, what other word would I use this now to describe this? Independency actually. Let me use that word. Sounds very good and mature. But it's not from God. Do you remember, I don't know if it was um, last year or whenever I spoke to you, I started to speak to you about kingdoms. We went through a series of kingdoms. And remembering one of those words, I said to you, I was describing the African countries that called for their independence. And forget the moral stuff behind it. 
I'm not even getting into that conversation. But you realize that some countries that declare their independency start to suffer more. Because the moment you're dependent on another superior kingdom, it is the duty of the superior kingdom to provide for you. The moment you call for independency, the moment that you as a branch cut yourself off from the vine, you are fighting to produce by yourself. You see now when you look at the church, why they have nothing? It's because in God's house, there are many people coming to God to empower their individual life. But God has an agenda to why Adami's alive. The world called you whatever you want to call yourself now, but God had a calling for you that you must now override. You must allow the spirit man and the word of God to override who you've become so that you can walk in his destiny. Then you'll realize that you're not meant to sweat for, for gold. But verse 19, let's look at this quickly and then we'll go. Oh, read from verse 16, actually. The authority of the son. This is why I like this scripture. Go on. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, yeah. the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Yeah. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his Was this man, Christ, a busybody? No. He says, the only reason why I'm working is because my father is working. He works in complete synchronization with the father. Verse 18, 18 for this reason, they tried, yeah. All the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The world will try to kill you. When I say kill you, there's a barrel that God knows. But the world will try to kill that barrel because it doesn't agree with you declaring yourself equal or for you to understand what I'm saying today, for you to be in synchronization with God. You know, one day Christ actually said, he gave a parable and he said that we played music to you, but you did not dance to it. Basically saying to them that the world actually wants you to dance to its tune. And it's only on that terms that you are, in quote, accepted. But the moment you declare to yourself or you believe that I am a holy instrument, separated and consecrated for the will of God, there will be fights against your life. And what is the attempt of the world to you? To kill that man. They wanted to kill him because he even called God his father, making himself equal in sync with God. So verse 19 says, the source to my authority is actually my union with God. Chapter 19, verse 19, sorry. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Yeah. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Whatever the father does... The son also does. Can we read this quickly in the Amplified or something? I'm looking for the translation that says the son can't do anything independently. I was reading many scriptures, so, so forgive me. I can't remember what translation it is. 
So Jesus answered them by saying, Yeah, what translation is this? Amplified. Amplified, go on. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Yeah. The son can do nothing of himself of his own accord unless it is something he sees the father doing. Okay. For whatever things the father does, the son in his turn also does in the same way. You see, in his turn, we're going somewhere. But please look at that. Because you see, in the, the life and the evolution of man, everyone will have their turn. Yeah? There was a father that came before us. They lived their life and produced you. Now, in your life, you're going to do your own thing and produce something. Everyone will have their turn, upon which they are all judged on. But find me the translation that says can't do anything independently. Go on. Message, Message, thank you. So Jesus explained himself at length. He explained himself at length. length. He gave details to why he is full of fruit. Why does he produce results? And he could not neglect the truth. He could not hold back the truth from even those who didn't want to hear it. He said, listen, I am able to produce results because I understand union with the Father. But read it for us. Go on. I'm telling you this straight. The Son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the Father doing. The Son is not someone that based on his entitlement declares independency. Again, let me tell you what's holding you back. This is what God was saying to me. What holds you back is that you still have your own agendas within this army rank. But you see, I can only give payment for the army. When God says things like, you are my war club, he's telling you that you are my means of offense to the nation. You are what I used to fight with. My agenda of nation takeover is to be done with you. But the problem is I cannot use you effectively when your concern is how is my family going to eat? When your own anxieties, pursuit of wealth and all of these things begin to interrupt the synchronization that God is looking for, the one heart, the one mind that God is looking for in his body. You know, the Bible says do everything to keep the unity of the spirit. That your heart, your mind, the spirit, the unseen, it's okay to look like you're walking next to each other physically. But what is more important to God is that the place, the place where nobody can see the unseen, that's the spirit, the heart, the mind. If he can see union between an IB and a priest there, then he can begin to reward them. But the problem is, is that again, the church grows. And as you age, this is me going ahead of myself now. There's a pattern that we start to see that you've always been living by and that's the problem because as you age you start to think about me and mine as you age you start to think about you see your partner they're your property and before you can look at the well-being of another person you have to put them first and the problem is is that in God's kingdom it cannot work like that Jesus Christ's family members, his mother and brothers will not have greater right than the apostles because what goes before family in God's house is mission. What goes before family, what goes before sentiment is what God wants to do with you and I. And you see, until we embrace that, nothing will work. So why am I coming to repeat these words to you before we get to the main scripture? It's for this one thing. So that tomorrow you will not say, why I didn't make it, I don't know. 
The only reason why people don't make it is because they refused God. They thought that, God, how do I look after somebody else before I'm looked after? God says that's the order of this kingdom. And if you can do what I'm telling you to do, you'll be well blessed. But you see, that's a conflict in the heart. Even right now, as we're speaking the word, that's easy to hear. But you see, when you're brought to the time of testing on that truth, it becomes difficult because how do you look past the person you love or look past what you feel that you're responsible for, for the greater good? So why did I go into the talk of these um, um, activists and all of these people? They actually made up in their mind that their family make suffer the loss of them for the greater good. I actually began to look at leaders who actually allow certain things because they have a they have a belief and a saying that they are, the the means will be justified by the end or something along the lines, meaning that. There are certain things that they're willing to put themselves through and those that are connected to them because in the family affair, it's their gender before anything else. The reason why I'm in a relationship is not because of love. And you see, when God wants to set things in place, he will get rid of love. Because you see, love is volatile. It, it, love is something that today you feel like you're in love, tomorrow you feel like you're not. It's meant to be mission that puts you together. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? The understanding of God's kingdom is actually greatly to be honored, meaning that there's actually a lot that God is placing a demand on you if you're going to see his results. And God gives us an extensive Bible, an extensive text to know that those who overcome, those who choose to obey God, to trust his word, they will not be put to shame. So these words are not saying that you will not have these words are not saying that you will not have resources, you will not have name, you will not have people, you will have all of these people or you will have all of these things if you can put first what I'm trying to do because you did not dictate your own life. God sent you here. The moment you were given birth to in 1998 or whenever, it was because God sent you for an agenda. There was a work. There's a certain, you think you have a talent just by coincidence. No, God gave you a talent because he wanted to sow a seed into a music kingdom so that he can get it back. But you see, we don't take nations because we too are like the nations. God would say to us repeatedly that I can't just displace Philistines with Philistines. They are out for themselves and you are too. Why would I just exchange the people? The demand that God places on the man that he wants to use to take nations. The moment that you start to overlook this demand because you are still bigger than what you're hearing. The problem is, like I said at the beginning of this word, is that you can be in the midst of where God's word is and it doesn't mean God is speaking to you. So you see now, what we have to now look at is the son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the father doing. Now, where do we go on from there? So what we've now observed, I say all of these things, I've gone from the people who receive the divine will of God or call of God. It can be through hearing someone speak. Malcolm X one day heard um, um, Honorable Elijah. And he was convicted by what he heard and he began to nurture it to a place that he can even re-preach it. 
And he was going to become the new generation of him. Do you understand? You look at a Martin Luther King. His situation, like we saw with Moses, spoke divinely to him. That you will be the deliverer of your people. And all of these things, we saw, we started to look into scripture. That how an army, the first thing you must observe with them is how in sync they are with each other. But you see, another thing I want us to observe is this. So we make mention of all of these things to then see how far we have fallen from glory. Because God did not call me here to go and have kids. He didn't call me here to go and get married. It's very, very little. There's nothing that separates me from anybody. Why would I be declared holy? Holy is not the absence of sin, even though it includes that. But it's the, it's the demarcation on someone's life that this person is special. So now, the issue we now find is that many of us, there's been a misplacement of men. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 7. So Solomon, the great man, began to observe. I just want to show you one verse there, then I'll take you to Romans. Solomon looked at everything and he realized, no, men have fallen so far from God that there's a displacement of men. Read verse 7 for me. Go on. I have seen slaves on horseback. I have seen slaves on horseback, yeah. While princes go on foot like slaves. While princes go on foot like slaves. The misplacement of men, the displacement of men. Because man has fallen from God, fallen from the glory of God that they do not even know. The man that is called to be a fisher of man is still trying to be a fisherman displaced and removed and what i could not ignore today was when many scriptures will begin god himself will begin to prophesy the redemption of the rem of the remnant of israel many times he will say that i will call back your sons and daughters from other nations he he recognizes that they're all scattered you see what i'm about to say to you it's more than being people being in different countries it's god saying that people are where they shouldn't be and the prophecy of God is that I'm going to call them from where they shouldn't be into where they should be. Are you listening to me? The prophecy today is that for Pastor Obi, for Pastor Elohim, for every single one of us, there's a place in life that you have gone to that is not you. It's not where you're meant to be. And God says that I want you to see how far man has fallen short of my glory, how far man has become away from what they have been called to do. But the prophecy that still lingers is that I will call back the remnant. I will call those like I called Peter. I will call people like I, I called Paul. I will call them back to what I have called them to be. Now, you see why that's so key to what I'm about to say to you? Is that... God actually wants to restore us. And in that restoration, you have to leave a life to enter another one. So let's jump to Romans chapter 6. You will understand what I've just meant by that. You're going to have... No, no. So you see what people try to do. Again, thinking on scriptures like you cannot put poor new wine into old wineskins. People attempt to live a new life while still being what they used to be. And that's the story that God has been trying to show us from the beginning. The Israelites in the wilderness, 
if you're going to embrace the land of Canaan, you cannot be an Egyptian anymore. You can't be remembering what you used to be. They can't be the character of Pastor Obi before the, um, the revelation of Christ. It cannot be. So this is what I want to emphasize today because God calls us out of being slaves to sin to slaves to righteousness. Read from verse 15. What does it say? Go on. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, mm. whether you are slaves to sin, which, which leads, leads to death, or, or to, to obedience, obedience yeah. which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Mm. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so you see... Reading it as I expected, it would just sound like a long text. Thinking, what is this actually saying to me? So I was watching people and I was thinking, yeah, it's a long text. Because Paul, you'll be asking, why are you speaking so complicated? Just make it clear what you're trying to say. So let's break this down together. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Let's stop there first of all. Listen to this. So now God wants to recall. There are people that have gone astray. The call of God or what God sent you here on earth to do is to replicate what God is doing in heaven. I taught you about kingdom last year. And I said to you, what is it that we are to replicate here on earth? The casting down of Satan. I said to you last year that what happened was that Satan was in heaven. But he began to deceive, deceive and corrupt God's territory. Now the Bible says that we overcame him by the, word of the, um, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. Right? So we realized that they were not fighting with fists in heaven. What happens is that the dethroning of Satan in the territory is keep speaking the word. So as I keep speaking the word, flesh that is trying to corrupt your land, you, the more I speak the word, I'm waging war with him. But we know what happens as a result of the person that keeps speaking, that eventually Satan will be cast out. So now he says here on earth, I want you to replicate that because the victory has already been done. 
So now look at what the Bible says. It says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient, as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Notably in the nation, there's a power that raises people. Without a doubt. You, you would think, how does a keyboard player get to a place where they can give millions? How? Name me one church where you know it's happened. Keyboard players are the furthest away from becoming anything. Don't worry, you're not a typical. <laughs> but notably, there's a power at work. What I want to quickly submit to you tonight is how to activate that power in your life. Because again, without doubt, there's a power that raises men. When we see people like Apostle Sam, someone that's come out of jail, have you ever listened to him and thought to yourself that if he didn't say it, you would not believe he's been jailed before? He speaks so well. He understands because usually, sorry, it's dumb people that go to jail. Yeah, you must be dumb enough to go to jail. Okay, you just deceive yourselves. Be looking at yourselves. You know that's true, but you look at him and you're thinking to yourself, ah, maybe I should have went jail with him because maybe my mind will be sharper. But you see, the life of Pastor Sam today is not testament to his own teachings. It's a testament to a power that lifted him. What we're going to see in scripture is how someone like Callum today can look like he does not give anything to the work right now. But should he take this word, how would he become someone that people look at him and say that this is someone that the power is raised? The Bible says first, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. So how do I activate the power over my life that would lift me from where I am to where I should be? The first thing you need to take note of is the offering of you. When you offer yourself to certain things as we're going to see in scripture, what happens is that the power will eventually overwhelm you and take you. It says whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. What is right standing with God? You being correctly aligned to what you are meant to be. So there are people who are in high positions, right positions. You know, if someone prospers in life, it's testament that they are in their right position. No. So you would see someone that book wise, they are good. But something in life, mainly poverty, tells them go and do football. And you would see that they are not rightly positioned. Have you seen someone that's not good at football, playing football, believing that they're going to become a footballer? That is someone that is deceived by their own way. And there's some people that is immaturity. There's some people that is de deception. What am I trying to say to you? The Bible says that obedience to a certain thing that we're going to see is what's going to make you be rightly positioned in life. So if I'm rightly positioned, like I said to you, it's the positioning of you that makes you prosper. It's the fact that Peter now knows by the teacher. You know, Peter one day, Christ 
how does Christ interrupt a man? One day, God saw, or Christ saw Peter fishing. Then says, let me use your boat to preach. He enters the boat and starts to preach. And if you look at the account of that story, after he finished preaching, he says, now cast your net to the right side. And all of a sudden, you will hear Peter saying, master or teacher. And then you will ask yourself, was Peter following Christ before this moment? No. So how did, in the course of conversation or in the course of preaching, Peter now defines him as his teacher and master? He was being taught. Let me help you with this. You know, you're waiting for a big answer, but listen to what I've just said to you because it's the simple things that we let fly over our head. Peter had not been following Christ prior to this moment. Christ only asks, permit me to use your boat to preach through. In the course of his preaching, Christ is preaching to a place that in the heart of Peter, Peter is looking at him and saying, this is my teacher. This is my master. And all of a sudden, that is confirmed by when he now goes to Christ and says, I, he calls him master. And if you're reading the Bible, if you're a student, if you care to even know what scripture is saying, you'll be asking, but I would understand if you called him master, if you had been following him. But this is a stranger in quote. But he realized that life is not something you already know. You have to be taught. Yeah, so you already, most people that you come across already knows, in quote, how to be successful. And because they already know how to be successful, never become. But there are others who make themselves like children or like a fool who has to be taught. And in the course of being taught, they become. So look at what the Bible says. It says, all to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So the obedience, if I give myself over to what is being said, I will eventually find myself rightly positioned. It says that the offering of yourself to the one that you obey, if you are obedient, it will lead you. In other words, it will guide you. So you see, sometimes I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking years ago, I can never have imagined me leading people. But do you know what happened? One day in my life, something was presented to me and I called it my teacher. I, something was presented to me, an idea, a, a, a vision was presented to me and I called it what teaches me. So that you don't get confused, verse 17, what does it say? Go on. But thanks be to God. That, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. That's my main point today. It says that though you used to be slaves of sin, so you see, you cannot advance in this life until your life of sin is a used to thing. It cannot be who you are still. You used to be a slave to sin. You see the person that's a slave to something, they offer their body to the will of the master. So sin was having mastery over them. But the Bible now says, but you see now, you dummy, you have come to obey from the heart. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. What does this mean to us, Joe? This is what the Bible is saying to us. When we say that Apostle Bookie it's notable 
that she has been raised by a certain power in this work. You ask yourself, is she just an extra story or is she just a supernatural story, an extraordinary story? No. What you have to also equate to a Pastor Buki, to a Pastor Oni, to a Pastor Sam, is the years that they offered their bodies to a pattern of teaching. You know, you see why I'm saying this and I need you guys to go back and study this. It's because you see, most people cannot obey from their heart the pattern of teaching that comes from their leader. Do you know why? Because they're already living out a pattern. Most people are living out the pattern of their parents. So you would see someone that is singing because their parents used to sing. And I get it, it's so close yet so far from God's glory because the reason why you sing should not be an inherited gift. The reason why you sing is more so you understand it's for the advancement of God's kingdom. But you see, you won't know that unless there's someone to teach you. Unless someone creates a pattern for you. So someone will say, okay, what are the patterns in the nation giving? So winning. The attitude and the intensity of the word. All of these things, holiness, these are patterns that the more you observe them, you don't understand what I'm saying. So again, and Malcolm X observed an honorable Elijah to a place that the message entered him. So one day Peter was going to be tested, been following Christ for so many years. And Christ says to him, who do people say that I am? They begin to mention what others say based on their own observation. Then Peter is asked and he says, you are the son of God. You see at that moment, do you know what happened? For years, he was closely observing his leader because God gives you leaders to imitate the pattern of their life. Because it's in the imitation of the pattern of their life that the blessing, the spirit, the power of the word that raised them raises you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So God looks, so Peter got to a place and he says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And what we see is that Peter had been observing Christ for long, thinking, who is this man? This man raises the dead. This man preaches in an authority that we don't hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees who every Sunday or Sabbath day, we used to hear them. But he speaks in a new um, pattern. He speaks in a new authority. The way he lives is different. They, Peter was introduced to a new, a new pattern and he observed it so much so that eventually he was able to say, ah, this is the son. And what happened? God looked at him. Christ looked at him and said, upon this belief, you will build and nothing will be able to stop what you, what you build. Because you have observed something. You have observed something to a place that you now know it. So again, some people, I don't think, there was a time that PT began to teach us that sometimes you have to look at something that hurts you too. Uh, when he was talking about the skill or the spirit of compassion, sometimes you have to look at something so much until it enters you. Because then that compassion will move you. So what I'm trying to say to you today is that there's a pattern that you live accordingly. Why do you think the way you think? Why do you dress the way you dress? Why do you act and talk the way you do? It's because you're living according to a certain pattern. But if you are going to become a servant of God's word, of God himself, it's going to be because a Remy finally got to a place that she offers herself to the pattern of teaching of what God is saying. 
So let me explain this. And Ezekiel being raised by God's spirit was an offering of his body. He got to a place whereby you see this word. He offered himself. So in simple terms, what I'm saying so you're not confused tonight is this. God wants a synchronization of his people. God lays it on my heart that now I will not tolerate many individuals in this work because there's a kingdom agenda and what I now need is an army. Now this army can be 30,000 or it can be 300. It can be 30 people or 100 people but he needs a people in sync. Now to call them to be in sync, when we're saying in sync, when we see the marching they're doing, it's a pattern. They have to remain informed. They have to, be, they have to remain in the same pattern for them to advance. So God actually says, you know, scriptures like, and I, I don't want this to be something that you misquote me and think is a condemnation word. No, God now says in my heart things like, be it far from me. I will only honor those that honor me. You see that scripture? Pray about that scripture. God says, I will do nothing for the person that does not honor me. You know how you honor someone? You know, for parents, when they say, honor me, honor me. Do you know what that means? You take what they say seriously. You do know that people in the church don't take God seriously. You do know, and I, let me just give you an example. In old times, and not even in old times, go and do your research. There are some places that people cannot come before the king with a, de, de, with a countenance that's fallen. It will cost them their life. Sometimes when it comes to the, the word of God, you would see the countenance of a person. And the question will be, if God was a body, is this the way you approach him? And most people will honestly say no then you realize that person will miss it. Do you know why? Because they must have a sense of God here in the receiving of the word. So what am I saying to you? A pastor dummy, a grace, a regime, all of us, God is now saying, I need everyone to follow one pattern. I don't need an independent COD. I don't need an independent pastor, someone that knows their own way of doing something. What, why we see Pastor Toby prospering is God telling us that this pattern works. Stick to it. So then you will ask yourself, for the last couple of years, you will hear things like, I've been doing this for so and so numbers of years. This is PT saying, and you'll be asking yourself, why do we keep hearing this? Then you realize that God is trying to reveal to us a pattern that he wants us to offer ourselves to. So let me make it clear. A pastor Dami will not become successful and have money. A Chrissy will not become successful and have money or people because she's intelligent. In this house, you will prosper because of how much you give yourself continually to the pattern of teaching. So upstairs, I'm praying and I'm saying, God, am I giving? Am I following the pattern? Because you can be given, but it's not in the same pattern. In the attitude of the word, I see how PT behaves when it comes to the word. Do I mirror that? Do I imitate that pattern? Because if I don't, the power of that pattern cannot raise me. So again, why is it that in the church, 
people do not become slaves to righteousness. Again, what's slaves to righteousness? You become someone that your body is led to being in the right position. Joseph was a slave to everything God was saying. And to the pattern that God wanted them to follow. You see, sexual morality was, an, uh, was against the pattern that God had set up in his family. So he's going to go against it. He's a slave to something. And what will happen? God in his own way, through his conviction, will lead them to being rightly positioned in life. This word is a word of a new age. What I mean by that is that we've already entered the new dimension now. You see what will begin to happen is the manifestation of it. I'm sitting with people and I'm hearing things and I'm shocked. But at the same time, I have to pattern and quote myself. To know that God has been saying that there's a change. So why are you surprised? There are things happening right before your eyes. But you see, if you're going to be a participant of the power that raises people in the nation family... COD does not work outside of the pattern set by the nation family. We must be totally in sync. Meaning when PT begins to say it's hope service and we have to mobilize, that's a pattern being given to you to welcome your prosperity. When he says giving, there's some people that there's no passion of giving. The only sub story they have is at the end of the month when they know it's going to be recorded and they don't have their sad. No, there's a pattern of giving. PT said that there's times when he starts to tell us things like he had to work as a kitchen porter. Even when he had to still preach. The pattern he adopted was that I will not give to God what I would not cost me. The pattern is I'm not going to say because I do not have, I will not give. He has to make something happen. Now the results of that pattern, PT, is to tell us that if you too follow it, if you put away your sentiment and your own thoughts and you follow this pattern, this is what will become of you. So the only message I've come to tell you today is that there's a pattern of teaching in the nation. And if you're going to prosper, it's not going to be your talent. Again, it's because of time I won't go into it, but go and check different translations and you would see that the Bible will actually begin to speak about talents. It cannot bring you to greatness. It's going to be you're following the pattern of something that God has chosen to prosper. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. This is not so, Pastor Obi, don't get onto me. Or this is not so that I don't look like I'm not doing. This is a conviction in your own heart that says, this pattern I want to follow. It says, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Meaning that God sees you on the same side as him. You are patriotic to his cause. And in so doing, he has to prosper you. Let's finish this chapter, verse 18. Go on. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using, yeah. An example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Yeah. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. Again, what is holiness? Oneness with God. So when we look at certain men and you think there's something godly about them, there are men in this world that does things and you're thinking, this is not the normal thing. These are people who have defied the fear of death, nature. Like, death is in their face. What separates you, you I hope you do know, what separates you from those who make it is your fear of death. In death consists failure. Someone is scared to fail so they do not try. But you need to face death to succeed. People are scared of all kinds of things. But there are men that face death in its face and say that I'm going to outrun it. I'm going to see myself through it in order to live. The Bible says the benefit you reap leads, as you become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. God will bring you to a place that when people see you, they will also say this person's different. Look at how many times you look at Pastor Toby. You don't think he's a normal man. Why? Because he chose a pattern that led them to be one with God in sync with him. So the one message I believe that God has given me, the main message is there's a pattern already set. Stop trying to introduce your own pattern. Stop trying to bring along with you the pattern that you were once in. The way things work for you in this house is the moment you can totally abandon the way you think. I don't care how right you think it is. Please, I say these things so that tomorrow you don't bother me because it's going to be, it's going to be like an irritant. Someone that is hearing the same word but is choosing not to hear it. Listen to what the word says. What Pastor Obi has to say outside of this means nothing. The word says if you follow his pattern, you will prosper thereby. So today my prayer has been, and my prayer for the COD family leading, and I'll end here, is God, any patterns we've, we've been living, and you see patterns, why they're so dangerous, is because there are patterns you can begin to live that you don't even intentionally do anymore. They have become so much you that you call it you. No, the word brings a demarcation today and says to, to us, if we will prosper, you see these patterns, observe them, and imitate them, and you'll prosper thereby. I want us to spend a few minutes in prayer. Why do we pray like this? Why, why do I want us to pray? Your head cannot remember everything that I'm saying. But what you do when you're praying, when you speak in other tongues, you do not speak to men, you speak to God. What you're doing is that you're allowing these words to be set on your heart and mind. The day that it would be needed to be tested... Like I showed you, like with the prophet Ezekiel, you would realize it's not you trying to do it. If it's in your heart and mind, you will naturally do it because the spirit has taken over you. Wherever you are, I want you to pray in the spirit just for a few minutes. And if you can't pray in the spirit, just say that I, I yield to your word. I yield to the pattern of this nation. God called you into this house for you to know that there's a pattern that he has prospered and approved. So Lord, in any way that I am introducing old wine, in any way that I'm trying to take in new wine with old wine skins, in any way that I'm trying to bring my own ways, my own patterns into what you are introducing me into, 
Help me to disband that and to receive and offer myself to the pattern of teaching. I want you to take this prayer very seriously. What God will do as a result of it is that your, your attention to detail will be heightened. Your love and desire for the word will be heightened. You will give more attention to the word that is being shared. I pray that your, your, the understanding will be opened. You will understand beyond the words that come out from a mouth. Your understanding will be heart deep. Let's get the J.B. Phillips of that Romans 6. Let me end with this. What is God looking from you and I? Conformity. Total conformity to his will and purpose. Abandoning what you believe. Yeah. Or what makes you anxious. Does not mean that it will be abandoned by God. God does want you to be happy. He does want you to have the fulfillment of your desires. But he wants you and I to know that what he's, the reason to why you are here is much more than the feelings of a parent that created you. You are God's battle axe. God wants to use you to take nations. If I could speak to myself, let's say the 17-year-old version of myself, I would not ignore certain things that I had to go through. Should it be going to university? I will not despise it. Should it be working in a small job? I will not despise it. Because if I believe in God, everything somehow will work to what God is trying to tell tomorrow. Every reason is given to PT now because of who he is. To not have to tell the story of how he was a kitchen porter. But it's now of what he's become that you know that that story, when God allowed him to be a kitchen porter, it was necessary for the story that God was trying to tell. It was necessary for the pattern that God was trying to give to a new generation. When you hear of things like sacrifices, tithing, all of these things are patterns that God loved Abraham because Abraham will show this pattern to his generation. So, before I speak this word to you, this word is for me. And I don't need my neighbor to, to respond to it. I need to respond to it. It's me totally saying, Pastor Obi, it's not your independence that will make you anything. It's, there are certain patterns, do you meet it? Is it of great importance in your life? If it is, the power behind it will raise you. The Bible will remember what it said to us, that anyone that offers themselves to these things are slaves of it, meaning that these are things with authority and power. So if I offer myself to these patterns, to this word, what raised the pastor Toby, what raised certain individual, individuals will also raise me. Or you can leave here today and go back to your own mindset. But let me tell you something. The formation of God's army, the guerrilla camp, is something that whether with your 
willingness or not, God is going to form. Again, God does not save. God can save with both many and few. So I want you to take these words because you are growing up. Listen to me, COD. How long would you take it in your own heart being referred to as kids? You must remain young and youthful. But you see, you must also be an example to even the old. Remember what Paul said to Timothy. And I use these moments to speak to you because as I've been saying, oh, we're about to enter, we're about to enter. Then it's corrected by the spirit that we've already entered. And what we must now be are people, women that are responsible and given. You know, sometimes I think about things like the Medici family. And I think about the caliber of women that had to be the wives of such men. These were not just home um, um, housewives. These were women that should the man go, they carry on the work because they know it as well. You look at a Nelson Mandela and his wife, she was able to create an army because she so believed in the message. So what I'm actually petitioning to you, begging you almost, is let's abandon a certain way of life. It may be uncomfortable at first, but there's a guarantee that we will take the nations with this mindset that there's a sink mind and heart in this house. There's a, there's a authority that we are all in response to, we respond to. This is what God is looking for for me. It's not how well you preach or how well you don't preach. It's do you conform to his will and purpose? Because talent will maybe most of the times be the very reason why you don't make it because you put your confidence in that rather than the covenants, the principles, the patterns that God is saying that I need you to keep. Let's read this in the Philips. As soon as it's done, I'll close this and you can go back with your day. Now, what shall we do? Shall we go on sinning because we have no law to condemn us anymore, mm. but are living under grace? Never. Just think what it would mean. You belong to the power which you choose to obey, whether you choose sin, whose, death, whose reward is death, or God, obedience to whom means the reward of righteousness. Obedience to him, to whom means the reward of righteousness. The more I'm obedient to this word, somehow I will end up being exactly where I need to be. Obedience of my father as David to Jesse of just keeping the sheep was going to be the exact CV needed for the new king. But at the time, he would never have seen that obedience has a way of leading you to your rightful position. Are you listening to me? Thank God that you, who, who were at one time the servants of sin, honestly responded to the impact of Christ's teaching when you came under its influence. I praise God that from today, even if it's one or two, or if it's all of us, there were some that were able to respond to Christ's teaching because the influence of his kingdom came. That day when we just choose to say, that's it, I'm following. You see that day is a day of change. And I believe strongly, you know, there are some, and let me use this as a way to prophesy. There's some that has been looking at the region of 1K, you're moving to 10. You're, you, you feel like you have such a small team to work with. 
There are people outside that are coming to join you. All of these things will happen and you will almost call it a miracle. I'm telling you, it's only a consequence of the pattern that you've honored. COD is about to grow across the nation. I want to say to you, in the hope service, like I said to you, COD should never be equal to any other family in soul winning because that's the nature of your core. You see, when it comes to raising finances, it's a statement that you are making to first yourself and then everybody else. You can allow nature to say, Tom shouldn't be able to do 10K. And then Tomwa can say to herself, no way, I'm going to take this word and somehow, by reason of putting to use this word, I will somehow break the barriers set for me. That's how you know this is a holy vessel. Our group chat must be a chat of strategizing. I was thinking to myself, why should we have many small group chats? No, in that group chat, that family should be, how do we take Europe? How do we take United Kingdom? Do we still have a hold in Leicester? Do we still have a hold in Birmingham? You know, it's some people that have not ever got into the world of business that don't understand how key it is and how much of a blessing it is when God gives you people. Because all it takes is for one person to give you entry into a certain world. We must get grounds again. We must mobilize and think together. There's no person in the COD family whose voice will not be honored. So do not... Um, do not look down on yourself on what you have not yet heard. You may have a better idea than Pastor Obi. Share it. Because for me, in the last few words, as God has been speaking to me and telling me to share it with you, I'm putting my, I'm zeroing down in quotes, my life to certain things. These are the patterns. This is a simple what I do. And my life will tell that this pattern works. I love you all. I want you to enjoy your day.